podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip, how are you? I'm okay, I'm just back from a weekend in London. How was it? Actually, yeah, it was... um, um, cold really sensationally cold but also uh, I had a lovely day on Saturday uh, blue blue skies lots of sunshine completely unexpected managed to go to the Spurs game on on Fantastic. Sunday as well which was um, terrific to visit disappointing outcome from a Tottenham perspective but I got to see some uh, some old Spanish friends there out on the pitch uh, yeah glorious pa- Paul Torres was Paul taking, Torres. taking revenge wasn't he so he exacted revenge, vicious revenge, for me leaving him out of the uh, La Liga handsome 11 a couple of seasons ago, which regular listeners will have not forgotten. Um, <laughs> and he scored a fantastic header for Aston Villa. And also, remember Brian Hill? I do remember, remember Brian, Brian Hill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He played um, played quite uh, quite a good game for the old Spurs on the left. Uh, pretty uh, pretty lively. Lively fella, old Brian. I'd forgotten all about him. Forgot all. I literally forgot he even played for Spurs. But there we go. So that was that was my weekend. Your weekend was spent mainly watching football, um, predominantly in the city of uh, Madrid. But also you ventured further afield on Sunday as well. So um, we'll get to what you did in in just a moment. But what you've been doing today, Sid? Uh, you've been writing uh, really, really rather rather well, as you're prone prone to do, about Terry Venables, who died uh, the weekend at the age of uh, age of eighty. We had a really Quite a moving uh, minutes applause at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur ground on um, on Sunday. Obviously, former Spurs player, Spurs manager as well. Very, very loved figure in that part of North London. But his his legacy stretched, you know, much much further than just North London. Obviously, Barcelona manager. Um, what what what? How is he remembered here, Sid? And and, and what 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 are your uh, memories of people who have who who encountered him? And how is he thought of here? Yeah, and I, I think in a way the 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 best place to start is to pick up on what you were talking about. How his legacy stretches beyond, obviously beyond England. And I guess the mm. the, the question with Venables is is whether his legacy stretches quite as far as perhaps it should. Um, what Venables mm. um, did at, uh, at Barcelona, for those who don't know, he, he arrives in the summer of 1984, just as Barcelona are forcing out Diego Maradona. Now, ultimately, the final decision is, I think, ratified by Venables rather than taken by Venables. The idea that Maradona, who has been banned for three ga- three months rather after that huge punch-up at the end of the Copa del Rey final in 1984, the fallout with the board of directors at Barcelona is, is intense and, and he is on his way. Now, Venables does... Um, sanction that departure but I, I honestly don't think he would have had a huge amount of power if he'd come in and said absolutely not this guy stays um, mm. and so then he has to rebuild a team that that hasn't played particularly well anyway hasn't won a league title for 11 years and he chooses and this is kind of if you like the headline the headline signing he chooses as the man to replace Diego Maradona Steve Archibald which is an, it's just an extraordinary statement at that point. Um, Barcelona are negotiating with Hugo Sanchez. Um, Terry Venable says, no, look, if we're going after a striker, this is the guy I want. This is a guy who I think can make a difference. Now, I think long term, you can look back on this and say maybe this wasn't the greatest of decisions because, of course, Hugo Sanchez goes to Real Madrid, is top scorer four times for Real Madrid, having been top scorer with Atletico and is part of a Real Madrid team that wins five league titles in a row. Um, but I think if you look at it in terms of Venables' position, there isn't very much optimism when he takes over. Mm. By the end of that season, 
they've won the league, as I say, for the first time in 11 years. You, you've basically got, uh, I'm going to try and do the maths here off the top of my head, I think it's 40 years in which the league titles at Barcelona are only won by Terry Venables or Johan Cruyff. Johan Cruyff is a player or Johan Cruyff is a manager. There's no other period in which they win the league title. This is a first league title in 11 years, a second league title in, in, in just short of 25, I think. Um, they win the league playing a different style of football with an intense press all over the pitch. And that's very much uh, Terry Venables' kind of tactical innovation is the way that they, they press teams, the way that they hunt them down. They isolate a fullback and then basically hunt them down in packs and win the ball off them and score a lot of goals like that. They, they play these diagonal passes to the top of the midfield diamond who kind of goes wide. They score a lot of goals from set plays and they win a league title, which is a huge, huge success, particularly in the context of Terry Venables at this time, by the way, is 41 and he's coming from QPR. You know, this isn't a, like a, yeah. a huge figure. And he wins the league title. Yeah, yeah. Then what, what happens is in the second year, they reach the European Cup final. So this is where we come to your legacy question. They reach the European Cup final and they lose it. It's only the second yeah. European Cup final in their history. It's the chance to win the European Cup for the first time in their history. You win that game. They draw nil-nil against Stau Bucharest in Seville at the San Juan. And then they don't score any of their penalties in the shootout. Now, Venables carries a huge amount of, uh, I suppose blame is the word for that, or the criticism for that. But the, 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 but the bottom line, of course, is that they are a penalty shootout away from that being the first Barcelona team to win the European Cup. For his legacy yeah. to have been absolutely gigantic. And I think partly what happens is that the trauma from that final is so great, so intense, that I think it took time, really, for people to kind of look back and go... Actually, you know what, what Venables did was extraordinary. And I think with his passing this weekend, we've seen a little bit of that, a bit of that recognition. Uh, you know Steve Archibald very well because you've worked with him, uh, as have I. And Steve was in that team and Steve has talked a lot about how it upsets him that Venables wasn't maybe given the credit that he believes that Venables deserved, that that team maybe wasn't given the credit, to use Steve's own words, for bringing Barcelona out of the darkness. Does so that mean that yes. some of the things that have led to this modern era yes. are, are about Venables? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I haven't actually worked with Steve Archibald. I would have loved to have worked with Steve Archibald. Had you not? No, oh, I, I thought you had. Sorry. No, right. no, no. But uh, I, I wish I had. But uh, but yeah, uh, Terry Venables, um, who uh, who died at the weekend, and uh, yeah, his legacy expanded well, well beyond uh, North London. Really, really loved figure um, in the world of uh, football. Who who left us this this weekend? Um, let's talk about what happened on match day fourteen. These are the uh, results uh, from the most recent round of fixtures in La Liga EA Sports. On Friday night, it was the final game in charge of Granada for Paco Lopez because he was sacked after their 3-1 defeat at Alaves. Uh, they've got a, uh, a Uruguayan manager um, who's uh, just been appointed uh, today, whose uh, name momentarily escapes me, Sid. Um, I must admit, I don't know either. I'm sorry, I've been, I've been head down with, with everything else today. I've, I've not had a chance to see it. Absolutely appalling on our part. His name is Alexander Medina. And he is a Uruguayan manager and uh, don't know too much about him, but he's the new man in charge of Granada. Then on Saturday, the mighty Raya Vallecano um, held Barcelona to a 1-1 draw. It's actually a pretty decent result for Barca because they were beaten 1-0 on their last two previous visits to Vallecas. So at least they managed to get something out of 
this weekend's trip to the Spanish capital. I'll take my tongue firmly out of my cheek because there is plenty for us to discuss uh, from that game which Sydney uh, was witnessing firsthand. Uh, Rafa Benitez returned to Mestalla and got a, a warm reception with his Celta Vigo side. Didn't manage to pick up a victory though. Uh, it finished nil-nil. Uh, Getafe uh, beat Almeria by two goals to one. Almeria taking the lead but Getafe uh, coming back with two uh, well-taken goals uh, all in the uh, first half. Uh, Almeria still bottom of the table Still the only side without a victory in La Liga and looking like they're going to be already a second division side pretty soon unless things change pretty quickly. Atletico Madrid beat Mallorca by a goal to nil at the Civitas Metropolitano. Sydney was also there witnessing Antoine Griezmann win the game with the only goal of the match. Um, There's stuff for us to talk about there. Then on Sunday, El Comandante Morales scored a hat-trick for Villarreal in the first league game in charge for Marcelino Garcia Torar on his second tenure as the Yellow Submarine coach. They beat Osasuna 3-1. We were talking about El Comandante Morales last week on the podcast and mentioned that he might be important under Marcelino Garcia Torral, and so has proved the case. Uh, La Real beat Sevilla by two goals to one. Um, Umar Sadiq scoring his first goal in over a year. What an absolutely extraordinary goal it was too. Uh, Sevilla looking really poor, really, really poor, and they still haven't won under Diego Alonso. They've got some big games coming up, and it feels like the new manager is already under severe pressure. If they don't turn things around quickly, I fear he could be gone. Uh, Real Madrid had a pretty comfortable afternoon at the office. They beat Cadiz by three goals to nil. Two excellent strikes from Rodrigo Goez, who wasn't supposed to play. He was supposed to have the week weekend off, but Brian Diaz got a stomach bug 20 minutes before kickoff, and Rodrigo had to play. And boy, he put in a, a pretty strong performance. Uh, Betis beat Las Palmas by a goal to nil Sunday night football as well. And then uh, Monday night football is Girona against Athletic Club. It's a really, really big game. For Girona win, they go back top of the table where at the moment Real Madrid are residing. Uh, coming up uh, this week for our patrons, you get a Q&A pod on Tuesday, a bonus pod talking about Champions League on Thursday and a brand new episode of TSFP presents more Super Seasons. Plus, you get Al's paper reviews access to the TSFP Discord. Honestly, guys, if you're in any way interested in Spanish football, which I assume you are listening to this podcast, I don't think you can spend a better four euros a month. I genuinely don't think. I think it's terrific value. I would say that. But anyway, um, come and join us. Patreon.com forward slash TSFP. So, Seed, you did a triple header on Saturday. We were talking about whether or not you'd be able to do it, the logistics of it. You managed to go to Rio against Barca. You saw the first half of Getafe against Almeria, when all the goals were scored anyway. And then you also saw Atletico Madrid beat Mallorca. We'll start with Rio against Barca because, you know, I said that this was actually a good result for them given what they've done in in previous years. It's five games that they haven't been able to beat Rio. Mm. It's a really quite um, extraordinary unbeaten run for for Rio. But I guess more pressing for, for Barcelona is again... Another poor performance, another really, really poor first half. I don't know if you saw the statistic that they're the side in the top five Spanish, well, sorry, the top five uh, divisions in uh, European football that have picked up the most points in the last 15 minutes of games. Uh, they've uh, been. I didn't see uh, that, yeah, right? That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they've been uh, they've been getting points late on, but they've been starting games really, really poorly. And I don't know if you heard the. Uh, they did a little montage on the radio last night of Xavi Hernandez. Repeating the phrase, tenemos que hacer autocrítica. Yeah. We, we, we need yeah. to be self-critical. <laughs> and he said it after the game against 
Real Sociedad, after the game against Shakhtar Donetsk, after the game against Alaves, and he said it against after the game against Rio as well. Tenemos que hacer autocrítica. We need to be critical of, of ourselves, critical of the performance. It wasn't good, Sid. First 15 minutes was not good. Yeah. No, it wasn't. And, and, and at the risk of um, falling into the kind of radio debate territory, I suppose part of the debate is, is how much of that autocrítica is auto in this case and, and mm-hmm. how much of it is Xavi pointing that finger at, at players after this game he talked about a mentality issue he talked about that because as you've mentioned those statistics which I didn't know those statistics were quite as dramatic as that but the way that they're starting games which are so poor um, and, and finishing games actually reasonably well at least in terms of making things happen but I still don't think there's a huge amount of fluidity there and, and obviously look when you look at statistics you can interpret them the way that you want and you could say well Barcelona do respond and Barcelona do tend to find a way back into the game but, but it's not not entirely convincing even when they do and on this occasion they could very legitimately say that they should have had a penalty later on I must admit live I didn't think it was having seen the replay I do but but there's a broader question than than just the kind of the the specifics of this match um and yet some of the specifics of this match, I think, feed into every, everything else. We were talking about this the other day, weren't we? When we, we, we actually went through the games and we reckoned it's 12 games now, 13 games now since Barcelona played well. Hmm. And, and, and that's a really well, pretty worrying statistic from their point of view. Now, admittedly, that's... that's they played pretty well in the Classico. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, they did. Yeah. For, so that's true. That's the one. But, but they did that well for, what was it? 65 minutes. Score? 65, yeah, was yeah, it? Or 68, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and admittedly, 65 good minutes against Real Madrid is pretty good. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't the whole game. The other games, I think, have been um, really quite disappointing. I think as well, when you, when you look at them, you see all sorts of different flaws. And, and so when you talk about intensity and mentality and mindset and all of these kind of things, I think that's true. And I think that does, and I'm not so naive as to say it doesn't, that does influence the way you play. But I also would, would, would kind of back away from that a little bit and just talk and, and look at this from, a, from a, mere, a more purely footballing point of view which is that structurally this doesn't work. It doesn't flow that well. They don't keep the ball as well as they should. They don't create as many chances as they should. You look at the three chances they got, the first three chances they got in the second half against Rio when they were starting to carry the game to Rio. And to be fair to them, they did. They did. And Rio yeah, were yeah. struggling yeah, a little yeah. bit to keep them, keep them at arm's length in the second half. That is true. But the first three chances they get, and I'm not by any means, by the way, by the way dismissing this as, as being illegitimate. I'm not going to go down that Barcelona route, but I think it's interesting. The first three chances are all from headers. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that those don't count. It doesn't mean that headed goal can't be brilliant. It doesn't mean that headed goal can't be created. It can't be, can't be elaborated. It can be. Yeah. It absolutely can be. But I think we are seeing a team that's struggling to find a way through teams, which used to be, or at least in, in theory, is, is part of the aspiration of the way that they play. I was struck as well, and you know, I, I, I often mention this, that, that your perspective on the game is conditioned quite literally by your perspective. And I was uh, pitch side, very low down, at the end that Rio attacked in the first half and Barcelona attacked in the second half. Mm. And I was really struck in that first half by how sluggish Barcelona were getting the beginning of the play moving. And Frankie de Jong, within 10 minutes, has already had to hold up his hand and apologise twice Mm. for losing the ball in compromising positions. Oriol Romeo loses the ball in a couple of compromising positions. And in part, you, you can point the finger at them and, and you know, this really is autocritica. Frank the Young post game said, I'm not at my level. I wasn't good today. I didn't play well. I, I've still got work to do. But I think it's also a, a, construction, a construction problem in that there were times even standing where I'm standing, which is, you know, an interesting view for things close up, but maybe not a full panoramic of the, of the pitch. But I was struck by how often I saw 
both Oriol Romero and De Jong come and get that ball in that deep position. And I could see that they didn't have the passing lanes that they would normally want. Mm. And so it's all, it's all well and good saying, well, they were slow, they didn't move the ball out quickly enough. But right, And Rio pressed very well, by the way. Yes. And that is about Rio as well, yeah, it's yeah. not just about Barcelona. But I, I, I felt that Barcelona... I just don't think Barcelona are very good at the moment. And I think, and I think it's all over the pitch. I think it's in terms of the, the, the structure of the team. I think it's in terms of the intensity. I think it's in terms of the, that sort of little bit of spark. And I think key players haven't got it at the moment. Um, I think the absence of Frankie de Jong has been really important. But let's see whether that's borne out by his return. Mm. And, and obviously how long it takes him to find a level that helps them with that. And I think they will miss Gavi as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they certainly will. Obviously... Matches do not last 45 minutes, uh, breaking news. But if they did, Barcelona would be 14th in the table, Sid. Um, the, yeah. uh, the opening halves of games have not been good from Barca uh, this season. Let's see if they do react. And as you said, it's, uh, they've got a big run of fixtures coming up. <laughs> they have. They're in action tomorrow in the Champions League at home to Porto, um, playing for top spot in that group. Um, they, they should have sealed it last week or last match day uh, away to Shakhtar Donetsk. They didn't. They lost. Boy, if they lose again, and they really shouldn't, they shouldn't. But if they lose again, they get to the Porto side who caused them all sorts of problems in Portugal. If they lose yeah, again... Well, they were very lucky to win they were in Portugal. Very lucky. Very they're, lucky. They're, they're in serious trouble in Group H. But anyway, um, I'm sure Barcelona fans will try and be optimistic and think that, no, we're going to get a victory. And then we'll beat Atletico Madrid next weekend which is a very nicely set up uh, game now obviously I work for La Liga TV and I am a corporate man so Sid I'm going to be referring to Barcelona against Atletico Madrid what was it we've invented an absolutely uh, fantastic new word for this game it's called El Super Duelo all right so everybody everybody now has to refer to Barcelona Atletico Madrid as we are in La Liga El Super Duelo. Anyway, that's coming up uh, next Sunday and it should be pretty bloody super, actually. Uh, particularly- it, should be, it should be good. I mean, just very briefly to pick up on what you were saying, you know, that Barcelona are in a position now and they're not convincing. And so you look at this and you think, wow, they've got problems if they don't get the, through these three games. Yes. But we've, we've had this situation a lot over the last 10 years or so with Real Madrid, haven't we? And every time we think, oh, Real Madrid are on the edge, they find a way through. Now, I'm not saying Barcelona will or that Barcelona won't. But I think what it does do, of course, is it tells us that, that these kind of turning point games can turn you both ways. Mm. So it could be that this run of fixtures is very good for Barcelona, but they need to win for that to be the case. Mm. And funnily enough, you look at their results, their results are, until this weekend are not that terrible. In this run of 12 games or so where we're saying we're not, they're not playing very really well, their results are not that terrible, but it's the, it's the way it's happened. So they beat Real Sociedad with a very late goal, having been really... Totally outplayed for most of the game. They beat uh, Sevilla 1-0 with a, with a Sergio Ramos own goal. They beat Alaves. So these are three wins, but they get it with a late goal in a game when they really don't convince. So you, all the way through these matches, you think, yeah, they're getting there. And I suppose Atletico Madrid and then Girona, by the way, that's yes. the other thing, then Girona the following week, yes. they win those two games, even if they don't play well. And you'll think, actually, mm. it's opened up for them again. Uh, talk to me about Atleti. You were at the uh, Civitas Metropolitano to uh, witness uh, Antoine Griezmann uh, score a lovely header. Uh, Atleti had been knocking on the door. He, I think. Uh, yeah, they had. They they could have scored before. Alvaro Morata had a number of chances which he didn't take. But at the other end of the pitch, 
Amat spurning a glorious opportunity for Mallorca, which would have uh, levelled things up very late on and um, uh, would have taken important points of Atleti. But Atleti hang on for that uh, 1-0 victory. Worthy, worthy winners, uh, I think, in this game. And mm. Antoine Griezmann, the, uh, the, 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 the match winner once again, Sid. Yeah, yeah. And the header is absolutely brilliant. Um, and I was at that end again. I was fortunate oh, nice. which end of the ground I was at. And, and it, it's not on. Yeah. Like that header's not on. That's yeah, yeah. not that shouldn't be going in the net from there, from that position and that angle. I mean, yes, it's a very good cross, and yes, it's a half chance, but he takes the header as if he's kicked it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's really really brilliant. And the game pattern was was interesting. I thought it was a, a fairly flat first half where Atletico didn't create. I mean, they created a, a reasonable number of chances, and we were we were kind of back to the old Alvaro Morata. It was one of those that, those Morata performances where you can see him getting frustrated when the ball is dropping to him a lot. It wasn't really dropping to Griezmann actually, and and he wasn't involved. And there was a statistic at halftime that I think it was he's normally the player that I think the second player who gets the most touches on average in an, in an Atletico Madrid uh, performance. And at half time, I think he was the second fewest touches of the team. Oh. He was playing in midfield rather than at the top of the pitch. It wasn't really running through him. They were going a little bit long to, to Morata. And it wasn't quite happening for Morata. And he was getting caught offside a bit and getting frustrated when the chances didn't go in. And, 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 and it was just a sort of all round a slightly sluggish performance. But I thought the response in the second half was really good. Samuel Lino really impressed me. I thought mm. he played very, very well indeed and made, made a lot happen cut through people really well. And has completely made us Mar- forget about Yannick Carrasco. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and to be honest, we didn't think that was going to happen no. because Carrasco had been so important. I thought Mario Hermoso was brilliant. Uh, watching Hermoso up close, it was really striking how physically fit he, he looks, how slim he looks, his passing range is good. Now, we know this from the year they won the league, he was really important. But the last couple of years, he's been kind of calamitous really he's mm. been a sort of a really strange player but he he was really good and I think he's been good all year he's played more minutes than anyone in the team um this season and there's a reason for that and but you mentioned them them struggling at the end and and, and Math having that chance right near the end which he really should have scored and there's a couple of other half chances as well uh, when Carl Larin comes on they start making a bit more happen Mallorca it was curious it felt like is this going to be one of those frustrating nights where Atletico make a lot happen don't score and get more and more frustrated. And I think, personally, and this is, you know, maybe it's amateur psychologist hour again, but that when they got the goal that put them in the lead, there was a mm. kind of decompression. Mm. Okay, we've done it. You know, we were worried that maybe this wouldn't come, but we've done it and we've scored this goal. And at that point, I think they were a little bit vulnerable. And mm. at that point, they instead of carrying on playing, keeping the ball, maybe making a ch- chances for a second goal, I think there was a sort of, I don't think it was a deliberate conscious decision but there was a dropping off and then of course you ally that to the fact that then Mallorca have got to chase the game a bit more than they'd been doing until then because until then they'd more or less been happy to hold on to it although there was a very good chance for them in the first half as well and Atletico suffered towards the end to use that Spanishism a bit more than they should have done but they were worthy winners, no doubt about it. Oh, we really don't have any other uh, sort of uh, adjectives or anything really else to say about Antoine Griezmann being extremely good at football. He is extremely good at football. He continues to be extremely good at football. Um, but here's a nice stat that I've—I uh, was going to say I found, wasn't, didn't, didn't find it. I was passed it by my uh, producer at La Liga TV for tomorrow's show. So here's a little, uh, a little um, spoiler alert. But the players who have scored all the goals in a game. In La Liga history, Antoine Griezmann has scored all the goals in a game on 24 occasions in La Liga. It's more than anyone else. 
Hugo Sanchez, 23. Yeah. Lionel Messi, 19. Kinney, 18. David Villa, 18. Raul Tamudo, 17. So just to you know, give you an example, or give you an idea of just how significant a player he has been, the majority of those would have come for, for, for Atletico Madrid. But uh, yeah, he's just yeah. a massive, it, massive player. He is. One thing, one thing that I think you know, our listeners know this and, and we know this, but I think it's probably worth adding. One of the things that I, I always think every time I watch him play... Hmm. Is there's a there's a wonderful simplicity about him. He's not trying to do anything flash ever, mm. and when mm. he does something flash, it's because he has to. You know, if it's a mm. flick, or if there's a kind of reverse pass, or if there's something that maybe is a little bit, you know, the kind of thing that makes people in the stadium go, "Ooh," it's because mm. he has to. Mm. He's he he's there's an economy about the way that he plays, which I really like, and I think possibly has has stood against him a little bit in terms of recognition. Because you know, because you don't have these really headline moments. So he's not. I suppose to use that phrase that they use in. There's an English version of it, and I can't think what it is. The Spanish talk about it being someone that goes into your eyes, entra en el ojo. You know, I suppose he's easy on the eye. There are some players who are easy on the eye, and maybe Griezmann isn't. You know, maybe Griezmann isn't because he's not doing. He's not doing things that are immediately obvious. That are immediately wow, that was amazing. But every decision is right. Every pass mm. is right, which isn't to say he never messes up. Of course he does. Um, but he just does everything so well. Yes, absolutely. He really does. It was also Koke's 600th game, by the way, as an Atletico Madrid player. He's going to um, he's going to play a lot more for them, Koke, uh, the, uh, the local yeah. boy. The Although captain. his contract is up at the end of the season. No, no, no. He's going to play a lot more. He's going to play a lot more. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he will. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure he will. Uh, we should mention, obviously, Real Madrid. Although there, there isn't a huge amount to talk about in this game because it was so comfortable for Real Madrid. A yeah. Real Madrid side absolutely decimated by injuries and they were still able to put out a, a really quite impressive looking starting eleven, including a a midfield made up of Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Fede Valverde and Jude Bellingham. So despite the hor- horrendous number yeah. of injuries, they still had a pretty decent side. Uh, Modric actually getting injured uh, in this game, so we'll see whether or not he can feature at the weekend. Um but yeah, it was pretty comfortable this for uh, Real Madrid and, and, and really, really well-taken goals. The two Rodrigo goals are fantastic. I particularly wow, like, the, brilliant. Yeah. like the first one, but they're both really excellent. And um, Jude Bellingham's goal is very, very nicely taken as well. Jude Bellingham's goal is... I don't think we've seen one of these from him yet, have we? Yes. It's a, diff- it's a different type of finish to the others. It's very cleanly hit. Um, left-footed across on the left, yeah, across oh, yeah. On, on a little. I mean, he's allowed to run very. It's very obvious which run he's going to make, and no one goes with him. That is true. And he runs into a space in the air. It's like, whoa, it's, it's no one. Okay, fair enough. Mm. And Rodrigo just has mm. to roll it into him. He takes it very, very well, though, and it is slightly different. The um, I, I don't know if you were suggesting earlier on. By the way, I I must admit I'm I'm malevolent like this. Is that the word? Malicious rather than malevolent, maybe. Um, the, you are both. The, Sid. the idea did cross my mind. Rodrigo wasn't going to play until Brahim got a stomach upset. Hmm. Did someone spot a small Brazilian sneaking into Brahim's room with some dodgy powders that he sprinkled in Brahim's drink before a few hours before the game? Sydney. Do you think that didn't happen? No. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? Why would that happen? A slice of dodgy lasagna to make sure he gets to play. <laughs> I think, but the th- whole point was that he said that his knee wasn't 100%, and he also had a toothache as well. Yeah. So he said he okay. wasn't he wasn't 100% ready to play. So, so, um, so, so, what you're saying is he 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 wasn't he wasn't you know evil. That's a pity. No. I quite like the idea of a bit of evil evil doing. 
Um, no, I, no one is suggesting that that happened <laughs> at all. Uh, you're going to get us into legal troubles here, Sid. Uh, but yeah, uh, R- Rodrigo taking his chance if if he, if he needed to do that, and uh, uh, very very much uh, uh, impressing with uh, two two really well taken goals. Bit worried about Cadiz, to be honest. And yeah, we've got a we've got a soft spot for Cadiz, given it's such a um, lovely place, fantastic fans. It's 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 a sporting entity that does bring something uh, to having them in the division. But they are they're in serious trouble. They're the lowest scorers in the division. They've only scored ten goals in thirteen games, and that's that's worrying. And it's worrying. You know, they brought in players, and in theory, there should be some goals there. They've got Darwin Machis, they've got Maxi Gomez, they've got Sergi Guardiola, they've got Roger Marti. They are all experienced La Liga strikers, and they are really, really, really struggling in front of goals. So I'm um, a bit worried about Cadiz. Hopefully, uh, they'll be able to get back on track. They've got a rearranged fixture against Mallorca midweek on Wednesday night. So um, huge, huge game that. I'd forgotten that that was this week. Yeah, they they that that probably hasn't helped either them or Mallorca. You know, the 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 twenty one days that they've they they went without playing um, because yeah. obviously rearranged and then international break. Actually, funny enough, I, I can't remember which which um, Cardiff player it was, or was it Mallorca player? No, I'm pretty sure it was. No, it was definitely a Cardiff player because Mallorca had a couple of really key injuries um, in the build up to the game. Actually, saying we think this break might have done us some good, if, if only to get some some key players back back from injury. Um, mm. But but yeah, I mean, look, for what it's worth, there wouldn't have been an anticipation of getting very much out of Real Madrid. They might have thought that they could be very defensive and possibly possibly get a draw, or, or, or who knows if they'd been fortunate enough to, to snatch a win. But you're right, they they do look really quite limited. Um, yes, quite honestly, they, and they, I suppose they, they, they transmit limited sensations. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastically Spanish word. Yeah, absolutely, they transmit limited sensations. I like it. Yeah. Um, maybe we've got a podcast title for this one. Uh, <laughs> Transmitting limited sensations. <laughs> uh, you went to see Oviedo play Mirandes. They obviously lost two one yeah. in the Segunda, yeah. which is which is a shame. But um, what about people listening to us who are intrepid lovers of Spanish football? Would you recommend a, a trip to see Miranda Mirandes play Miranda del Ebro? Slightly off the beaten track. Um. Not really. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> okay. It, it sort of depends. If, if you like a kind of a little ground with three sides. How much do you bit. love Spanish football? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of carrots. How much driving do you want to do? It's not the most amazing city, although the city centre, the very centre is quite pretty. Um, you're quite close to Vitoria. So if you're going to go to Vitoria and see Alaves and you can get Miranda, Mirandes in as well, then yeah, why not? All right. Uh, that's what happened um Miranda del Ebro elsewhere Valladolid 1-1-0 at Huesca Eibar beat Levante 3-1 and leaders Leganes drew 2-2 with Racing Ferrol so Leganes' lead at the top is now just four points Valladolid the second Espanyol a third and Eibar a fourth Um, there's lots of uh, European football coming up this week Uh, in uh, the Champions League on Tuesday it's Feyenoord against Atleti and Barca against Porto then on Wednesday uh, Sevilla against PSV Madrid against Napoli and La Real against Salzburg. As we said, we've got the um, rescheduled Mallorca Cadiz game uh, as well, and there is a, there is also Europa League action. Don't want to forget the mighty Real Betis Los Verde Blancos in action on Thursday night. Uh, they're taking on Sparta Prague. 
Villarreal also uh, playing uh, in that particular competition as well. He says, trying to buy time as he looks up who Villarreal are playing. <laughs> I was trying to work out what it was. You were looking for something, but I could. I think they're playing Panathinaikos. Yeah, Panathinaikos. No. Yeah. Yeah, 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 they are. Yeah, on, uh, on on Thursday night. So there we go. That's what's coming up. Uh, we didn't talk about a lot of things uh, on this podcast. Talk about some things, but we didn't talk about all of the things. So if there's something that we missed and you want us to touch upon it, we'll do that. We'll do that in the Q&A pod. Send us your questions. Become a patron and have those questions answered. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash TSFP for all your Spanish football uh, needs. Uh, if you don't want to become a patron, that's okay. We'll do a free podcast for you again next Monday, as we have been doing for the last 10 years. Adios, amigos. Cheerio. Network.